0: Womp womp. Welcome to Locked on Knicks. God, what a fucking day. Uh, yeah, Chris Stapps Porzingis got traded today. You may have heard uh, the one time Lord and Savior of Knicks fans is gone on the Mavericks now. And the Knicks did get, I would argue, maybe a, a decent return for him. But that's what we're here for. Gavin and I are here. I'm Alex Wolf. Gavin Shaw is with me as per usual. And we're going to do a little more in-depth breakdown of the Chris Stapp's Porzingis trade and our immediate uh, angry slash sad slash not really quite sure how to process thoughts on the whole matter. So hang tight with us. We'll be back in just a sec on Locked On Knicks, and we will get rolling.
1: You are Locked On
0: Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast
1: Network your team every day.
0: Knox foul from behind,
1: count it, and
0: one. And his fist, he'll place his fist. Milikina. What he does is contagious, right? Like, he... To Trier. Trier drives. Oh! oh,
1: oh, oh. a goal. Oh, a one to Trier! And across the lane. The boy fires up a three! and oh. Forward!
0: Alrighty, welcome in, guys. Locked on Knicks. This is uh, probably some of the least animated you'll see me this season. Although I'll get animated in a minute, but just bringing up and introducing this pod is, uh, in a weird way, painful for a dude that that we all kind of thought was going to be like the guy for New York basketball for the next like two decades or whatever to, uh, now be gone. And quite frankly, I don't know because of the way that he kind of allegedly conducted himself. I am not finding myself like wishing that he was back now. Now I'm just kind of like pissed that now I have to not like him because I liked Chris Daps Porzingis for so long, but, uh, Yeah, I don't know. How are you feeling right at this moment, Gavin? I know you already got to kind of let some of it out earlier because you were so kind as to do a uh, emergency pod when I was unavailable with my stupid day job.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I've, uh, you can tell anyone who listened to the earlier one can tell I'm in a completely different emotional state right off the bat. I think I like burned off all my like stress and like, Nicks related uh, stress by just venting over Twitter on the course over the course of the day like I don't I think I spent like eight hours on Twitter um, if you didn't see we got into it uh, me specifically with Colin Cowherd which was kind of like the perfect cherry on top <laughs> to this day um, I stand by stand by what I tweeted at him uh, I I always have believed that and uh, I thought his his strong opinion on how good this trade is I know I know some people are, are more into it than others. And I'm, I'm a big believer that there's room for nuance. And even, even in, um, the pre discussion on this show, me and Alex had, like he kind of, and, and I'm sure you're going to get into it, Alex, you kind of gave me a side to this that I wasn't really aware of. And like, maybe just how interfering, uh, KP's brother was and how this was kind of like an uncle Dennis with a San Antonio and Kauai situation to a point. And I mean, depending on. Like, obviously, there there's some credible reporting behind that, and we may never know exactly how much of that is true, like maybe not before KP's career is over. But depending on how much of that is true, that, um, I guess, shifts my opinion on the trade maybe in a little bit more tolerable direction. But overall, um, I'm generally of the opinion that unless this ends with the Knicks signing Kevin Durant and another free agent worthy of the max slot they created by having this deal that I think, and also I I guess I should put in the qualifier that KP's legs aren't totally destroyed, which some people seem to think is a thing. And apparently Phil Jackson thought was a thing to a point um, that this is kind of an unmitigated disaster. And I guess that's my big opinion and we can get into why going forward, but that's, I think that's my, that's my take big picture.
0: Hey, before we get too much further in, I'm ashamed to say I've not been able to listen to your emergency pod earlier yet. But uh, were the full final details of the trade available at that time?
1: I'm not um, the the pick details. So I can actually I think you have it right. I was going to say I have it right in front of me so I can lay that out for everybody. Just in case.
0: we've already spent like five minutes discussing it. We haven't even technically said what the full trade was yet. Uh, So the Knicks got Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews and two future first-round picks. Uh, the way that the picks work is, ideally, it is uh, the 2021 and 2023 first-round picks from the Mavericks. The 2023 pick is protected picks 1 to 10. Uh, so the way that these protections are going to work, and and those could potentially slide, depending on how the, the deal goes that they made last year for Doncic. I'm going to look real quick...
1: Oh, I have it right in front of me. Oh, you have so, the
0: thing with, with the Hawks trade? Yeah, I just forget so what their so protection essentially,
1: was. Essentially how it works is next year's Hawks pick is, or, or the pick that Dallas is supposed to send to Atlanta this year, is top five protected. If Atlanta okay. is top five, my initial assumption was like, oh, could the Knicks get that? Nope, that's not how it works. Dallas gets the pick if it ends yeah. up top five. And that would mean next year Atlanta gets that pick, in which case the Knicks wouldn't get their pick, their first pick that's unprotected until 2022. And mm-hmm. then they would get the top 10 protected one in either 2024 or 2025 and if it didn't convey in either of those two years it would turn into a second round pick
0: exactly yeah that was the part i was going to get into but i i couldn't remember i knew that the atlanta one was i thought it was protected top five i just wanted to be certain before i said it but at any rate um there's probably a good chance that well i mean you can't say for sure with the new lottery rules but there's a pretty good chance that it's probably going to convey to atlanta this year unless the mavericks jump up because they're they're towards the bottom in the West, but that still is good enough for towards the bottom of the lottery standings because the East is just so much worse than the West this year. Um So, yeah, and then the Knicks, obviously, they sent out Porzingis. They sent out Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke and Courtney Lee over to Dallas. So I don't know. I mean, in a vacuum, if Porzingis is healthy, this is like terrible if he's like for sure healthy and if he was going obviously if he was going to resign here this trade wouldn't have even been you know it, it wouldn't have even been proposed because there's no way that you would if he was a content little happy camper there's no way you would have entertained trading him because like he's very 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 talented obviously even coming off the acl injury but i don't know that the longer i've been thinking about it i'm like sort of at peace with it now because of some of the reporting that's come out now in the last, you know, it, it feels like, I feel like saying like, Oh, that reporting came out yesterday. And in reality, it's like, no, this like all happened in literally the last like six hours from the time that we're recording this, we're recording about 10 o'clock PM. And this whole, all the shit started hitting the fan at around, like, I guess, I guess like seven hours ago, because it was about three o'clock. Cause it was right when I was at my busiest point of work for the day and everything just started going crazy and i like couldn't get any work done today i don't know about you i don't, what do you have we ever like even talked about what we do for a living on here no
1: not really i mean, I, I guess tangentially i mentioned like when i take trips to do broadcasts, but yeah i you you i mean to be fair you you have a real job i don't really have a real job so that <laughs> that's a distinct difference in it but. yeah
0: i work i work at a newspaper doing like layout so <laughs> what an episode uh, this to come out <laughs> the least a yeah. whole day <laughs> yeah we were like we were like right on deadline like trying yeah. to get everything out and all of a sudden it was like Porzingis 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 and I'm like oh my god I don't have time for this right now like holy shit my life is collapsing and then yeah somehow I managed to get all my work done I was like an autopilot for the, the whole last part of the day though but it is what it is but anyway <clears throat> yeah I don't know like the the more I look at it, like I know you're not a big Dennis Smith guy. I liked him going into the draft last year. So, I, I mean, go ahead, what?
1: Oh, no, I just, I just said, I was just agreeing. I'm saying I actually loved him, and I was upset when they took Frank over him. I'm just, What I've seen in the NBA has shifted my opinion. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, that. I was like,
0: I remember at the time of the draft, I, like, if I was given the choice, like, because we did, like, a roundtable of posting and toasting when um when we uh we're getting up to the draft in 2017 and I think I was the only guy that said I would take Smith and then the rest of everybody else was split between Malik Monk and Frank but like I remember that year I was kind of at peace with whoever they wound up taking and it was just like well you know Phil Jackson's been an okay scout since he's been with the Knicks like Phil Jackson Clarence Gaines like that whole combo like that was one thing that they really did fairly well I thought was the draft so I was kind of cool with whatever decision they made but I did really like Smith then uh I don't I don't quite know how to feel about him right now because he's definitely he's shown some really, really problematic tendencies in the NBA. First off, like this whole saga that he just had recently where he like wasn't showing up to games and practice and stuff for the Mavs just because he was like like pissed off about his role or something, which is never really a good sign. But I mean, to be fair to him, he did eventually maybe under the maybe with like the promise of getting him traded, he did come back to the team and he kind of balled out on the Knicks the other night. Um, But like, I don't know. I I still kind of think maybe there's a chance that there could be some hope that he could still be a good player. And I hope that maybe Fizdale, the guy who somehow turned Moutier into at least a somewhat passable NBA player can maybe do a little something with Dennis Smith, but that's just me.
1: Yeah, I am. You know what, I'm not as high on him, but I want to I leave a little mystery. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the actual mechanics of this trade next on Locked on Knicks. Welcome back into Locked on Knicks. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, with you. We are inst- re-litigating, because I already did it earlier, the uh, Knicks-Mavericks trade in which Chris Snaps porzingis went to the Dallas Mavericks with some other guys. And the Knicks got back Dennis Smith Jr., and some other guys. But Dennis Smith is the guy we're focused on right now. Obviously, Alex, you gave some qualifiers on it, but you're a little bit more into him than I am. I I guess my issues are as follows with him. Um, A guy who's obviously an incredible athlete. No one's doubting that. But to me, like my biggest priority in a point guard is how heady are you, how well can you shoot, how well can you defend. And in all those areas, I genuinely feel he's lacking like defensively he was a mess last year he hasn't been all that much better this season the three-point shooting has gotten a little better this year he's up to 34 percent, but at the same time he's still right around a 70 percent free throw shooter which is usually the best indicator of a guy's long-term shooting ability and just the fact that Dallas seems so willing to get rid of him and obviously if the whole premise for dealing him was that they were to get Christoph Porzingis which who knows like maybe these talks we're going as far back as two weeks ago then like that's pretty reasonable it's not necessarily an indictment on Dennis Smith but you just kind of got the feeling the whole time Rick Carlisle and the entire Mavericks organization never valued him all that highly and to me that that's kind of the biggest damper on him maybe being a good player and then I guess just as far as the eye test I've, I've just never really been all that impressed when I've watched him though I don't know how much that means but yeah I guess that's That's why I'm not super duper bullish. And I guess I go back to my last point that this trade is kind of um, either made or broken based on who the Knicks end up with this summer.
0: Yeah, I'm not like, I'm certainly not looking at Smith as if he's like a prized asset or anything. He is like 1000% flawed. Like, I really don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not like over the moon that we got him. I am just, I do think that there's something to the fact that like, he seems to me like he plays almost like a super Emmanuel Moutier, even at his worst, like, and that's maybe more of a testament to just the fact that Moutier is kind of average. But at any rate, I mean, I think that, I think that he's the type of guy that Fizdale will like, and maybe can unlock the best in him. I guess we'll see over time, you know, we've got him now for his rookie deal, which is nice. Um, And strangely enough, despite, all of the all the Twitter arguments, all the comment section arguments, everything about Frank versus Dennis Smith Jr., I think actually the best way to play those two might actually be to play them together. And maybe over time that'll be a pairing that proves to work pretty well because Frank can pick up Smith on the defensive end. Smith can kind of take some of that ball-handling load off Frank on the offensive end. Also, it should be noted that it's, it's always come up, I've noticed, whenever the... Uh, the Nixon Mavericks play that they're actually kind of good buddies, Frank and, and Smith. Like they kind of got to know each other during the draft process and they're already like familiar with each other and kind of chummy together. So I, it, I don't know, maybe I I'm trying to like really find some silver linings here in just like the, the short term, <laughs> because like, you know, some of this, like you said, most of this trade is with an eye on the future. Unfortunately, like it, there's not a lot of instant gratification, which maybe isn't a bad thing because the Knicks always seek the instant gratification moves. And for once, even though it's a move that not a lot of people agree with right now, it this is a move that's kind of eyeing the future, which most of the moves from Perry, uh, Scott Perry, have looked towards the future. So, right. I don't know. But, um, yeah, do you have anything else to add on Smith or whatever? Because I want to get into my favorite new wrinkle of the, of the trade
1: drama. Yeah. And I guess, and here I'm I'm gonna let you do that because I just, just kind of a way to, to bridge us there. Um, I, I kind of feel like this trade is the opposite of that in a lot of ways. And like even if it does work out where you get a KD and then you complement it with either Kyrie or less likely Kawhi, that's you're you're still building a nucleus around two guys who would I mean, Kyrie is obviously a bit younger than those two, but would have maybe like five, six, seven years at most. While KP was a guy we were looking at that was going to be a Nick for 10 to 15 years. And, and to that point, um, I kind of go to that tweet. Uh, former Locked On Knicks host Jared Dubin had earlier today saying Charlie Ward was the last Knicks draft pick to sign a second deal with the team for longer than one year. He was drafted when I was seven. I'm now 30. So that's just gives you an idea of like the long term, like, I mean, I mean, you're you're describing this as like something distinctly different than what they've done in the past. I would argue this is part of a continued trend that has kind of wrought havoc on the franchise for the last 20 or 30 seasons. But what you explained to me before the show is that what I'm imagining is like maybe to some degree of fantasy land and there wasn't a scenario that this could have worked out because of KP's brother.
0: Yeah. So first off, let me just finish with my eye to the future thing. When I talk about the eye to the future, obviously the immediate future is signing free agents using all that space. But I do think I think that getting those draft picks, when was the last time a that you can remember that the Knicks received draft picks in advance in a trade? You know what I mean? Like they traded for the pick that took Jerry and Grant the night of which was a thing. But, like, other than that, other than a draft night trade, I can't remember. I, I'm i trying to think of the last time the Knicks had multiple first-round picks. It might have been the David Lee and uh, Channing Fry draft, if I'm remembering correctly. But having multiple first-round picks is not normally a Knicks thing. It's usually, like, one first-round pick, and that's, like, our only pick, or no picks. Because they traded them in some stupid-ass deal that, you know, wound up kicking them in the butt later on. Like, Bargnani or something. So, In that respect, I'm saying like that's looking towards the future. Like it seems so long from now, like 2021 and 2023. But I can remember a time when like we were looking at the Mellow picks, you know, the picks we gave up for Mellow. And for what it's worth, I still I don't really regret that trade at all. Still, Uh, I still think it was the move that they had to make at the time. It just didn't work out the way that we had all hoped it would. But you look at those picks and I can remember even back then we were like, well, you know, it sucks, but you got Melo now. Like, that's great. And then years down the road, we're like, shit, like, this didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to. Now our team kind of sucks, and we're stuck with no draft picks. Like, <laughs> and most importantly, that that first pick that the Knicks are getting from the Mavs is completely unprotected. So if this whole thing doesn't work out the way that they think it's going to work out, and Porzingis, and, uh, Porzingis doesn't come back the way that he wants, or... We'll get into the next thing with Porzingis in a minute, and maybe he's not there. Then the Knicks could actually be sitting pretty in a couple of years because, as is evidenced right now, just Luka Doncic with some dudes around him. I mean, he's phenomenal, but he's not like drag a team kicking and screaming to the playoffs. Good, especially out west yet. So,
1: yeah, I guess I guess that that's like where I would like disagree. Like, I'm kind of of the opinion that within two or three seasons, like Luka Doncic is going to be um, a, either an MVP or near. MVP caliber player because look at it like that. Like he's, he's a teenager right now and their, their team is pretty much trash without him. And like the fact is like, they are only four games out of the playoffs in the West. And like, obviously like, that's not like they're not in any great shakes this year, but just given how good he is already like that, that first pick is obviously the one that has the best chance of being valuable, but there's a chance that that's three seasons down the road. It's guaranteed to be at least two seasons down the road. Like I, I just like, I don't think like I'd be shocked if that pick ended up, I'd be surprised if it ended up being a lottery pick. I'd be shocked if it was like a top eight pick. And I think this is kind of classic Knicks where like in a way, like like to your to your greater point, you're absolutely right. Like they're finally doing the right thing. Like they make a big trade and they make sure that they get multiple first round picks in that big trade. That's awesome. But they trade away. And and again, like maybe like your next point will totally counter this, but they trade away like the exact kind of guy you're trying to get with those kind of deals. And like, to me, it's just like, there's no equivalency there. Like they're not, getting enough value for what they gave up like like they should have either gotten like some kind of blue chipper or uh what was what looks like it's going to be a top five or top 10 pick and they didn't get either of those things and again like it might have been an impossibility to keep kp and in that sense like all right like there's they maybe they couldn't have done any better and i just have to accept that or conversely they know kevin durant is coming this summer and it all makes sense but without those two things or one of those two things or one of those three things being true, then it's just like another like shitty Knicks trade in my mind. But anyways, but well, let me
0: let me counterpoint you one more time. This is just a quick one. This yeah, is, no is going to be a quick counterpoint. So to your point about even if Porzingis isn't with the Mavericks, that even if like Luka Doncic might turn into like top five player, which I could certainly see happening as well. uh My counterpoint would be there is another team that has a player who has turned into a, a top five player that you know, started off not so good when he was first there and has reached a little bit of a peak of winning a playoff series and otherwise has not done much of anything. And that's the Pelicans who are now trying to move Anthony Davis, maybe by the deadline, maybe over the offseason, whatever, because he's trying to force his way out. And he's been, I mean, for maybe his third year on, he's been like a top 10 player at minimum. And for the last couple of years, he's been like a top three player in the whole league and they still can't do anything. So that would kind of be my counterpoint there. Like sometimes even with, even with really good players and the best laid plans and everything else, sometimes shit just doesn't work out, but that might just be me talking myself into things. But, you know, I think we've kind of, we've gone a little longer. I do want to get to my last thing here uh, about Giannis Porzingis, KP's brother and all the drama going on with that. But we should probably take one quick break here. And just, uh, you know, allow for commercial time or whatever and come back in just a second and we'll finish up our discussion on the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade. And we're back finishing our discussion here on the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade. So we've we've been alluding to it for what feels like about 10 minutes now, and I keep getting sidetracked and keep trying to talk about draft picks and Dennis Smith Jr. and all this other bullshit. But since Gavin did the pod earlier, there has been some new reporting that has come out on this whole spiel. Uh, Gavin, let me ask you again just what was available at the time you recorded. Was the whole thing about Porzingis with the qualifying offer from Shams out at that point when you recorded earlier?
1: It might have been. I didn't even – I literally like this was – it was basically just – It was show. just raw emotion. This organization, yeah. That, that's, all, a, that's all it was meant to be, yeah.
0: You are in a glass case of emotion.
1: Oh, you still am. <laughs> <laughs> Trying
0: to My day was kind of weird, not to sidetrack too much again, but I just I don't know, today felt like just one of those shitty days. And like, I feel like I definitely have to mark down like the date of January 31st, just so I like remember it for future years to be like, well, it could be worse because like I had kind of a kind of a crummy day at work. Like it got really busy. And of course, all the Porzingis stuff was going down. The Porzingis thing like ripped my heart out right away. I got home and I'm like, damn it, I'm hungry, but I don't want to cook. I'm like distraught. Like today was really hard for me as like a fan and a person and whatever. And I have to podcast in a little bit. So let me just get something quick. I ordered Domino's pizza and then the shit didn't get here for like an hour and twenty minutes. And I was sitting here like hangry for like an hour. And then finally I got to eat and then I got on here. So thankfully I ate before I came on here. Also, I would I would have just been like a real raging bitch on here. But anyway, yeah, that's how my day went. So Anyway, so let's get we get back on on topic here. Yeah. So there was there was conflicting tweets sent out by uh by Shams Shinaria. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I've never said his
1: last name out loud. Yeah, I think yeah, I don't know. I always just say Shams, but is is it Shams? I think so. I'm oh sure. man, I, I've been I, fucking his I, name up forever. I saw him in person this year. I should have asked him, but I, I didn't, I didn't want to approach him. He's very, I induced. know he does, he does yeah. videos and stuff now
0: too, but I like only read his tweets and his articles. I don't really watch his videos. I should probably just watch one just to get pronunciation. Right. I feel like a total, total fool here, but at any rate, uh, so he tweeted, he tweeted out that the Mavericks have already been let know that Porzingis is not going to do anything other than sign his qualifying offer this off season. And then meanwhile, Woj tweeted out almost at the same time that uh, Dallas has, or that Porzingis, like, has told Dallas that he just wants to get in there, get acquainted with everything, get acquainted with his new teammates and stuff, and see how things go. And then he'll make a decision at a later date. So there's kind of conflicting reports there. However, if you believe Shams with his, Shams or Shams, however you say it, um, with his reporting, it, that might have been part of the, push to get Porzingis out of New York and might have been what forced their hand because the reality is this so the Knicks should if they had pushed things to the max of what they could possibly offer uh Kristaps Porzingis could have offered him it was like roughly 150 million over 5 years if i'm not mistaken and so that would have been his his contract for the offseason And that's like far and away more than anybody else could have offered him the alternative to that. If he had hit restricted free agency and decided he didn't want to be on the Knicks is he could have either signed a two plus one deal with another team. And, you know, that would have essentially uh, shortened the Knicks window to, like, do well with him and gave him a, you know, an easier time or or like a quicker time to get out of it and, you know, move on. Should he so choose in two years time? So that would have put him at the twenty twenty one offseason. Or he could have signed a qualifying offer, which at this point is like it's really small. It's because there was there's a qualifier that uh, if he hadn't played a certain amount of games this year, which uh, in the case of this year, I believe it happened at the exact halfway point of the season. uh, His qualifying offer went from like roughly seven and a half million for one year to like four and a half million for one year. So he can sign this deal a four and a half million dollar one year contract and then by playing out that one year that allows him to hit unrestricted free agency in 2020. So if they were dangling that as like a legitimate threat, him and his, his brother, who is also his agent, Giannis. I mean, that's, I can't blame the Knicks if they thought that he was actually going to go through with it because the other tricky thing with those qualifying offers is once a guy signs it, they get a uh, no trade clause. So Porzingis then could have dictated his market. And it kind of would have been like a mellow situation all over again if, if you know, partway through the season he decided, oh, I'm not feeling this, like trade me now. And the Knicks would try to get some return on him, then they'd be like, you know, shoehorned into only being able to do one or two or three or whatever teams that Porzingis approved and the return wouldn't have been nearly as good. So with that being the case, that's like kind of the smart move. Now, there was also some reporting from Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports. And I promise I'll wrap this up because I'm taking like a really long time just to set the stage here. But I feel like there's a no, ton of so... info that came out. Yeah. Um, but so he reported uh, uh, Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports that Porzingis and his brother were perhaps putting like trying to put themselves a little too far ahead of management also of Scott Perry, the GM and Steve Mills, the president. Uh, I'll, I'll read just a, a little passage out of that just for everybody, you know, everybody's information if you haven't read it already. Um, Porzingis clearly soured on the direction of the franchise, and if you want it out, credit to the Knicks for keeping it quiet and moving him quickly as opposed to the melodrama the franchise has been known for for the past two decades. There were concerns about giving Porzingis a full max contract because of his injury, league sources told Yahoo Sports, and there were concerns off the floor. That's the important part. The Knicks were worried about Porzingis' brother, Giannis, who's been more involved in Chris Stapp's affairs and wanted to make demands to the front office without acquiring cert- uh, Sorry, about acquiring certain players, sources told Yahoo Sports. When the front office pushed back, the doubts about Porzingis having a future in New York came into play. So if that is true, and obviously there's going to be all kinds of reporting on this over the next couple weeks, I think, and it's going to be... It's going to be leaks from the Knicks, and it's going to be leaks from Porzingis' camp, and from the Mavericks, and from you know, I don't know, some guy that lived in Porzingis' building.
1: Yeah, I'll leak some stuff in the next few days. So just be yeah, ready.
0: I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff. Like there's going to be a ton of reporting on this because everybody's going to want to like unravel the mystery because this seemingly came out of nowhere. Which also kind of credit to credit to the Knicks front office, like in a weird way, like props to them for running such a tight ship that they were allegedly shopping Porzingis for weeks or maybe even I read in one story that they had been sort of quietly fielding offers for him for the better part of the season just to gauge a market that none of that got out I mean that's pretty damn impressive in today's NBA where uh, you know access is so important and you know giving tips to you know these beat writers and stuff can And the national writers like Woj can kind of get you like brownie points and stuff for later on. It's, I I think, kind of a credit to the Knicks front office that none of this leaked prior to this. But if that's the case and Giannis was essentially using the qualifying offer to hold the Knicks hostage, I don't really think they had any other choice. And apparently they had multiple deals on the table that they had been considering. And this was the best one that they had. And if that's the case and the worst that like if you look at this versus... Other trades for other superstars, young or old or whatever, in recent years. This is like a pretty decent return all told. Like they got back two first-round picks, a one-year removed lottery pick, and they freed up like forty something million dollars cap space. So, or maybe not quite forty million, but they they cleared up 30, 35 roughly for Lee and and Tim Hardaway last year, or their last years of their deals. So, yeah, I don't know. I it feels like if their hand was forced, they could have done a lot worse. I obviously would have preferred not to get to this point, but I also think it would have been a seriously slippery slope to, you know, potentially call his bluff and have him accept the qualifying offer and then essentially be stuck with a grumpy Porzingis for one year who would just opt to walk in 2020 and leave you like completely high and dry.
1: Yeah. Um, no, and I think that's that's a great point. That was information that I wasn't operating with earlier in the day, and it certainly adds a level of nuance to it. And it does make me want to apologize to Steve Mills and Scott Perry, who I've been a little hard on on Twitter and in my mind um, throughout the day. But I, I guess I, if I if we can just zoom out a little bit, and I want to go big picture for a little bit. Like I'll just say, like even. If that is true, then I guess that's, I mean, something to like, like maybe KP's brother was like always like prone to like trying to seize control and trying to lose his mind and like copying the, as we said earlier, the Uncle Dennis model in San Antonio. And maybe there's only so much the Knicks could have done about that. But uh, I'll just say like over the last couple of years, they didn't exactly do themselves any favors. And I'm being generous by saying the last couple of years, because it's really like this is It's it's about an infrastructure, it's about an ecosystem, whatever word you want to use. This has been toxic for 20 years running now. This has been toxic from the second James Dolan owned this team. And really for most of the Knicks history, like outside of like a five-year span from 1968 to 1973, this has largely been really, really bad. And this is just kind of another step down that road. And in a lot of ways, this is almost as bad as it's gotten, given how I think you thought, I thought most. People who cover this team, who think about this team, who like this team, thought they were on the precipice of something great. And maybe they still are, but this is the repercussion of, of signing a guy like Tim Hardaway to a monster contract, uh, a guy that no one else like the Hawks were going to offer him forty five million dollars. The Knicks offered him seventy five million dollars. They were no, no matter what you do, no matter how smart you are going forward, no matter how much you think, oh, OK, we, we worked our way out of that one. There are repercussions to that, and they're going to come back to roost. And I guess just operating in the scenario where this trade was motivated by the idea of, oh, like, Kevin Durant will come here if we have sufficient room for a second star. But you don't have to give up Kristaps Porzingis in that scenario, or you most likely don't, if you haven't signed Tim Hardaway to that monster deal. Or signed Courtney Lee to a deal that was relatively reasonable, given who he is as a player, but didn't make sense based on the trajectory of your franchise. Or what they did with Ennis Cantor, that also never really made any sense. I I guess what I'm saying is like, all these things have negative implications. And you do these little things or or even medium things wrong over a long period of time, eventually you're going to get hit with a big negative. That's true in life, and it's true in sports. And this is is it. This is those contracts coming home to roost, I think, to some degree or another. And if it's merely the fact that Porzingis' brother is a lunatic, I would argue, to some degree, you need some level of organizational dysfunction to leverage and to take advantage of, and the Knicks have provided that in abundance. So maybe this isn't their fault, but the odds are, given everything that's happened over the last 20 years, that they have some fault in this, and that's a darn shame. Because what Porzingis is now and going forward, if he's healthy, which is maybe a very, very big if that I'm underestimating, is he's this guy's a multi-time, I think is going to end up being... A ten-time All-Star, guys who are seven foot three, who shoot lights out, who are athletic, who are defensive monsters. This is what I said earlier, but they, they just don't grow on trees. It's the reason he's called a unicorn. This is not a guy that falls into your lap for the Knicks, who have been snake bitten forever. It's been thirty-five years since this guy has fallen into their lap. The last time it happened was Patrick Ewing in nineteen eighty-five. So that that's the end of my rant. But I'm I'm still I, I can't I can't spin this positively. I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Well, so here's I've got a couple of devil's advocates for you here. Sure. First okay. off, so the first devil's advocate scenario is I don't think I think you're looking at this as if trading Porzingis was the means to an end of getting rid of Hardaway and Lee. When I look at it, I don't think of it like that. I the way it looks to me is that Porzingis Porzingis said, I want out and, you know, made the made the threat of signing the qualifying offer or whatever. And the Knicks said, okay, well, how can we spin this in the best way possible? I'm not, I'm not going to put all my eggs in a free agent basket. Like, cause I kind of learned my lesson the last time with LeBron, but the way I look at it is I think that maybe through some back channels, they have ideas about Durant. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like cautiously, like just trying not to trying not to buy too much into it but the fact that there's been so much so much smoke about durant coming to new york dating all the way back to this past summer and then all the the stuff with the warriors like with uh Draymond green and him getting into it with green like calling him a bitch or whatever and saying that he's out of here anyway and this that and the other like there's so much smoke at this point that I almost wonder if there is fire and I'm not going to like sell the farm, assuming that he is coming here, but I would not be surprised at this point if they have heard through back channels that he is now. I guess the the thing beyond that is like once Porzingis said, I want out the Knicks probably thought, okay, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to trade him and get just as many assets as possible? Like, do we want to get, more young players, things of that nature, and draft picks, stuff like that. Or perhaps with this knowledge in hand of someone coming in free agency, or maybe just with a shoot for the moon plan for free agency, they said, you know what, do we want to use him to, you know, get rid of these contracts? Because we we gotta get rid of Porzingis somehow because he's he's not gonna sign here. He doesn't like us for whatever reason. He does not like what we're doing here. He doesn't get the plan I guess. I mean, the thing that I kept reading today was that Porzingis like didn't understand the franchise's plan and didn't understand the role that they had for him despite the fact that like all season long they've advertised him as like he's a core piece, we're very much looking forward to when he comes back, we think he's a stud. Uh Fizdale early on in the season when the Knicks had lost those few close games and you know, we're actually playing pretty tight like almost every game for the first 15 games it was like we might have like a a more than winning record with Porzingis right now. And we really wish we could have him, but we want to get him right, whatever. It seemed to me like the team was, I don't know, like certainly trying to be accommodating to him in the, in the small but significant Scott Perry era so far, which I think has been generally mistake free. And that's my, that's my other devil's advocate point to your, to your kind of general dysfunction take is like, The Knicks, uh, some of the dysfunction was even from Porzingis in the last few years. And the Knicks, I mean, James Dolan, hate him or hate him. Like, there's no real loving him. But, like, he actually did, at basically Porzingis' request, more or less, fire Phil Jackson. And so they, they cleared that for him. There was talk last year that Porzingis kind of wanted the team to become his and didn't want Melo on the team anymore. And obviously Melo wanted off the team as well. So that was its own thing, but they in one sort of way accommodated Porzingis in that way and got rid of Melo featured Porzingis, blah, blah, blah. Everything looked cool. And then this year, just, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere down the line, you know, it's, it just hasn't happened where like the Knicks have, I don't know. It, they, they just haven't, I think, made any moves that were so egregious in the Perry era that would spurn this sort of reaction, which makes me think that maybe Porzingis has some other motive in this whole thing with like the, the leveraging everything. But I don't know. It's that's just the way that I'm looking at it. I totally get where you're coming from. Like in a vacuum, I would be like, what the fuck? Like this is horrific. Like this is so bad. But not in a vacuum. I look at this and I'm like, I don't know. I I think they just sort of did the best with what they were given here. Like they did the best with the hand that they were dealt. And in reality, they still have a lot of young pieces. They still have, you know, hopefully number one, but certainly, you know, probably a one one to four, one to five draft pick coming up this upcoming draft. And then they're going to have, you know, essentially enough cap space to sign two max guys and maybe even a little bit of money left over. So I don't know. I'm trying to stay optimistic through the whole thing. I am hoping that they didn't make this move strictly with like a pipe dream in mind. I'm hoping that there is, there's some sort of chatter that has gotten to the Knicks that makes them think that they have a shot in this free agency. And I also hope that before they would, I would think based off of Perry's track record, at least Mills, I don't, I don't necessarily trust as much because, you know, as you mentioned, he's the guy that signed Hardaway to the deal and that was like not a great move. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I, I just think that Perry at least is smart enough to not punt on a guy like Porzingis, unless he felt like he absolutely had to. And I, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. I'm sort of running out of steam here because I feel like I just said a whole bunch of stuff and a lot of thoughts, but that's just kind of my level-headed assessment. Like, I'm trying to look at this like, I don't want the world to come crashing down because I, I was really starting to feel optimistic about this team mm. and and everywhere that it was going. And I think that there's still reason for optimism. Even if, even if the Knicks would strike out in free agency this year, there's a lot of options you can do with cap space as well. I mean, for... For how much, you know, there's like weird uh, sort of animosity between the Knicks and Nets, like the Nets for a little bit. They had a whole butt ton of cap space, didn't have anyone to spend it on, and they used it acquiring draft assets and bad contracts and things of that nature and just kind of being the garbage dump. And the Knicks could certainly do that or they could do the Lakers model and just sign a whole bunch of one year contracts and stack them up year over year and then just kind of wait for that one guy to come along and and then. You know, blow the whole amount of money at that point. So, there's certainly options. I, I'm sad to see Porzingis go, but I'm also like, I don't know, in a weird way relieved because he was always kind of a, I don't know, like, I, <laughs> I keep coming back now to his first thing that he tweeted out after this whole thing was like the like he tweeted out two eyeball emojis and then like the like smirk face emoji. And it was him like dapping up Luka Doncic the other night. And I'm like, so that's the first thing that you put out. You don't put out like, thanks, New York. Thanks to the fans. Like, always loved you guys, whatever. And I'm like, well, ultimately, like, screw him then. Like, I don't really have time for, you know, adoring guys that don't give a shit about like the team or the city or anything else. Because ultimately, I'm a Knicks fan and I'm not a Chris Dapps thing is fan. So I'm ready to move on.
1: Yeah, but I don't. I, I, I'm glad like we had like different takes on this because like if, if you were in line with me, it would have just been like just shitting on the Knicks and like I do like I I, I want to say like I I genuinely appreciate the nuance you're bringing to this and I think you've made me shift my perspective to a degree though I I can't say I I I just I'm um, so and and again like it's it's unfair to like assign like the sins of the past to those in charge in the present though as you noted like Steve Mills is far from sinless and Scott Perry, like obviously like he's done solid so far. I wouldn't say he's like outside of, I guess the Mitchell Robinson pick, like had like really like strokes of genius. So I'm, um, I kind of, I want to see more before. I'm sure this wasn't a horrible mistake. Um, I guess uh, just to touch on a couple of those, and then we should probably wrap this up as far as free agents. Like I, I really hope you're right. And I like, if if the truth is some combination of keeping KP being, utterly untenable and Kevin Durant indicating that he's coming to the Knicks then and, and he does actually come to the Knicks like Ollie Crow. Like I'll say like, I was, I was absolutely, absolutely wrong to rip them the way I did. And it'll, it'll work out. But if he doesn't, and like, I just, there's, you you can tamper all you want. There's no way to get a guarantee. Like if the Warriors win another title this year and right now, like I'd be shocked if they didn't, like I would, I, I basically like if they go injury free, like I don't think there's, a scenario where they don't win the championship this season. Um, like, I just, like, I don't know how you leave that. That's four titles in five years. It would be three and four for him. Like, that's just, or maybe maybe I'm getting that wrong by one, but I, either way, like, that. No, that would
0: be right. Do you, not, do you not think, though, that the Lakers knew about LeBron, like, close to a year in advance?
1: No, I do, but I also think that situation was a little bit different just given like i mean golden state has an infinitely better infrastructure than cleveland and it's also i think lebron just wanted to move to la and i don't I like maybe you could say the same thing Oh, kevin durant just wants to live in new york but he's already like in one of the greatest cities in the world so i don't know i mean like you might you might be right and and there is there certainly has been a lot of smoke but i just i'll buy it when i see it particularly with someone who i i don't know him obviously but he comes off as fickle as kevin durant does and like ever-changing that's not even necessarily a criticism of him like i would be someone like who wouldn't have my mind definitively made up until the last second like it's a big big decision and you see the knicks with the worst record in the league let's just say like they don't even come close to winning the lottery get the fifth pick he tries to get Kyrie to come but the celtics go on some kind of run they make it to the finals Kyrie's like you know what i'm happy i'm staying like does durant want to be the one guy like the knicks like um, Micah Adams of ESPN pointed this out early on Twitter, like the Knicks' track record of signing big free agents is knee destroyed Amari Stoudemire and Alan Houston.
0: Oh, it's shitty. Yeah, they're yeah. terrible. I mean, in that's free it. agency, they really they've been shitty like for years. I, I, I can't escape that. That's why I said I'm not I'm not putting all my eggs in the Kevin Durant basket. You know what I mean? Like I'm not sold on it. I'm just hoping that that's why they I like I said, I think there was two paths that you could have taken here. You could have taken the path like because I I think no matter what they knew Porzingis wanted out. That's what it sounds like. And, you know, you can't. Unfortunately, you could try to play chicken with him and, you know, put the hundred fifty million dollars in front of him and say, "Okay, sign that one year, four and a half million dollar deal with one hundred fifty million dollars sitting right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And, and you know, coming off a busted knee and all this stuff. But that's such a dangerous game to play. And I really don't think that the Knicks are in any position to do that because they're trying to rebuild. So the reality is, is that like almost at this point, Porzingis was almost on, it, it feels weird to say, but he's about to come off his rookie deal. And you got a bunch of guys that are on their rookie and sophomore deals that like, it's almost like he's on a different timeline in a way, at least as far as like pay schedule and stuff goes. Yeah. Um. So I understand it from that perspective, but I, I think once, I, I'm I'm sure that sometime in the last two weeks, it became clear that like Porzingis or Giannis for sure met with them and, and laid this QO option on the table and said, like, get us out of here. And they were working on it probably for at least two weeks, like seriously. And then it just, they just kind of timed the leaks today so that they could sort of justify the whole thing. But I think, uh, I think they had two choices. The choices were, Trade and try to free up cap space for this offseason, make your run at free agents or trade and get as much draft and young player capital as possible while you can and figure out the rest later. And I think that they opted for option A, probably with some sort of inkling of things to come. But I I can't say it for certain. I'm, I'm probably just giving them like as much credit as humanly possible, but that's really, really what I want to believe this whole situation is because if it's not, I'll, that's where I will be disappointed and I'll crow this off season. If there's like, if it becomes very clear that like, Oh, there was, there was nothing planned. They just went for the cap space yeah. instead of the draft capital. <laughs> like that's just how it goes.
1: Yeah. So. I guess I, my final point would be like, there's like, and and I don't, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens because I know they were, um, Bill Simmons was was talking about this on, on his podcast today. That I um, maybe maybe I'm unique in this respect, but I actually I really I really still enjoy him. Um, and and he was mentioning that like there was always talk that like Phil Jackson was would like tell anyone who would listen that like KP's knees or like his legs or his body as a whole was well, was screwed in such a way that like there was no way like he was going to have sustained success in his career and i'll start off by saying that i'm absolutely not rooting for that like i mean even even if he did force his way out like i wish the guy like all the success in the world like he was like again like i I said this in the earlier podcast but like i i really believed after his first two seasons and like the start that he had to his third season like he was gonna end up being my favorite nick of all time like no matter how much he screwed them over and like maybe that's my flaw in this whole argument and maybe that's shaping the way i think about it like i i am still gonna root for the guy and i hope he has a great career. And I'll, I say that and I'll say simultaneously if he does have a great career, like, no matter, like, almost like what else happens, borrowing like the Knicks getting two guys and somehow winning a title, like, that's just going to be like, you know, of all like the like dagger twists, like, the Knicks have provided over the years. And like, even if this one was out of their control, which I'm, I'm I mean, you're starting to convince me of more and more is a real possibility. Like that's just going to be the worst of all of them, and I guess that's that's kind of the note I want to end this podcast on. Like the downside is just so so high, and I think him and Luca fit so well together, and like could play such beautiful basketball. Like that just it's it's going to kill me, and uh, I'll, I'll end with a little pessimism to counter to counter your optimism.
0: Yeah, I guess my my final point would just be to, to kind of wrap this up with a bow because you kind of said how you're going to look at Porzingis going forward. I think given. What we know about the circumstances of him getting out of here that he demanded a trade and that he ultimately, you know, pushed this along and all that. I'm uh, I'm not going to wish him bad either because I'm not that type of dude, but I'm certainly like I'm going to boo him if I go to a game that he's out the garden, which now those tickets are going to be so expensive for the next like five years. So that's probably not going to happen, <laughs> but I will certainly boo him. Uh, I'm certainly not going to cheer for him I will probably in the grand scheme of things a couple years down the line basically just like be ambivalent to the whole thing because there there are some guys that you can sort of understand where they were coming from when they wanted out like you could get it with Melo last year like obviously Melo didn't want to be on the team he wanted to go somewhere where he thought he could win late on in his career all that stuff Porzingis like presumably could have been this leader of this young core potentially added a top free agent to it. Like all they would have had to do was really move Courtney Lee and they could have added a good free agent this coming off season. And, you know, moving Courtney Lee is like as easy as maybe giving up a protected first rounder, like four years down the line or something. Um, If, if like that was all on the table. So I'm just going to look at Porzingis now. I thought at one point too, that he might be my favorite Nick of all time. And uh, now I just kind of look at him as like, Whatever, like, just get out of here, like, I'm done with you, you know, it's over now, door shut, it only took me like five hours to get over it, and, uh, you know, I wish him the best or whatever, but I'm certainly not going to root for him, because he kind of did a sturdy by getting out of here the way that he did, so... Unless you have anything to add, I think we could probably wrap up now. I'm I'm, I'm spent. I, I really yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of emotionally drained now. Now it, that that last one just took it out of me to finally like let it out that I'm like I don't really give a shit about Christoph Porzingis anymore. That feels really weird to say after the last like, le- a- actually we're almost up to like the almost one year mark of him tearing his ACL. All yeah. the well wishes and everything that I've given him over the last year just kind of feels shitty now. The, the
1: craziest thing that it was all it, it, this this was all a day. Like we like who would have thought like by the end of today we. would We'd talk about going like back and forth with Colin Coward over like this convoluted trade. Like that, that's, that's, that's the nuts. I think that's really like, it was really like this whole thing happened in like a pressure cooker. Yeah. You know what? We should
0: probably at some point, and we'll probably start doing it during game after games and stuff, but we'll definitely get into some of the other pieces too. I don't know if DeAndre Jordan or Wes Matthews are going to stick around, but we'll definitely you know get into dennis smith jr and start getting some early reviews on his play and stuff i would assume he's suiting up tomorrow night
1: uh for yeah, the friday night Knicks game they, were, they so. were here anyways unless they flew back before the trade happened which yeah did.
0: exactly just stick around buddy have a nice time but not too nice of a time <laughs> um don't be slanging that wood anywhere around the city but, <laughs> Great call. um at least not on game night but yeah so we'll see and, and you know There might even be silver linings for like DeAndre Jordan if they keep him. Maybe he he would definitely be a good mentor for Mitch Robinson. But that's a whole nother thing entirely that we can get to. I feel like we shouldn't spend too much time on them until we know for sure that they're here past the trade deadline and the general buyout period, too. So we'll see how that all goes in the next week. Anyway, let's wrap up. It sounds like we're done. We're both spent. We're both. This went like an hour. We said we were before we got on. we were like, man, this will probably be like a half hour, but goddammit, man! There's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and hopefully, you all listening enjoyed it. So, this has been locked on Knicks, the Stapps Porzingis goodbye episode. Bookmark this one for future reference for historic days in Knicks history. Uh, in the meantime, hopefully, give us five stars. I think we <laughs> attacked this. I, t- I think we attacked this from some good angles. We put some. Uh, some metaphorical blood, sweat, and tears into this one as far as our brains and our uh, psyches went. So show some appreciation for the effort. Ask your Amazon Alexa to play Locked on Knicks. Play podcast Locked on Knicks if you don't feel like using your hands to listen to LOK next time. And in the meantime, we'll talk to you guys soon. Maybe we'll recap the game tomorrow for Saturday or it's possible we might just recap them both on Sunday night for Monday morning for you guys to give everybody a little more Chris Stapps Porzingis decompression time. In the meantime, have a nice weekend. Stay safe. Peace out.